Amen. Isn't that a good song? I'm going to remove this because <laughs> I'm not going to song lead this morning, but good to see you this morning and thank you for praying for Pastor and his family while they are away. Um, if you turn your Bibles to Luke 1 while I jabber a little bit this morning, um, but thank you for praying for him. Uh, I texted him yesterday and asked how the funeral went and how things are going down there and he said it was a really good service. Uh, a lot of people heard the gospel and they've had opportunity just to to minister to people while they're down there. So he wants to pass on his thanks for just praying for them. I know he said it in the video, but uh, just reiterate that. So uh, praise the Lord for that and for what's happening down there. Um, but we're going to look at the Bible a little bit this morning. Amen? Amen. Uh, so you're in Luke 1. Um, I noticed this morning that this microphone fell down again like it did last week, and it's not because the sound guys didn't try and fix it. It's just because Danny doesn't know how to use a microphone. So, <laughs> But I did think of a solution. We just stick a microphone on this stick here and it'll all be good. So keep that one in mind, Asha. Um, all right, I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a look at the, the Word of God this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you uh, that we are alive because of you, Lord God, uh, that we have life. Uh, that Father God, you've uh, saved us uh, from an eternity without you and I translated us into your life and into your kingdom. Uh, Father God, we thank you this morning that we can open your word, that we can be amongst brethren, we can be amongst those who also know you, Lord God. And Father, we just ask that you'd please be pleased with everything that takes place. We thank you for the songs we've already been able to sing and the encouragement that that is, Lord, and the truths that are in those lyrics, Father, we thank you for that. Uh, Father, please just turn our attention to your word today. Uh, help us to glean what we need. I pray that your Holy Spirit have free course in each of our hearts today, Lord God. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for this time together. And we do ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question. And the question is this. I wonder who in this auditorium right now you would say that you relate to the most that you would relate to the most? That Who is the most relatable person in this room right now? And obviously I don't need you to, to call the answer out, but just think about that, who you would relate to the most in this, in this auditorium right now. And the answer to that question is probably someone that you have a lot in common with, someone that you maybe have a, have a common interest in, or maybe it's just the fact that you are a, are a Christian, you're saved by Jesus Christ and that's the most important thing to you and you found someone else that's an encouragement and you relate to them because that's, that's what you look forward to. Uh, maybe it's someone that plays the same sport as you or listens to the same music as you. Um, and I think you'll find in life uh, we, we look for that. We look for those we have things in common with and we will get around them. You've heard the term birds of a feather flock together. That's, that's what we do, it's just that we're sheep that flock together, <laughs> we're not birds. Uh, but that's just, our, that's just our human nature, we just look for people and, and opportunities to gather around those that we have things to do with. Um, the friends that we have, we spend time with them because we have things in common. Uh, think about this, the stories that we choose to tell people, even in our friendship circles or, or at workplaces or whatever, the stories we choose to tell we choose to tell them because we know that the person we're telling them to is going to relate to that story. They're going to understand it. They, they, maybe it's, it's drawing off some experience that you and them have both had and so you choose to tell that story. Uh, even as far as jokes, 
We, we tell jokes and we laugh at jokes and they're funny. Hopefully you tell funny jokes. But we laugh at jokes and they're funny because we can relate to the thing that's funny about whatever the joke is about, right? Do we all agree with that? Okay, I'm not going to tell any jokes this morning, but even, uh, even memes, I hate to say that word behind the pulpit, but, you know, you've got to reach the young people, memes and uh, posts, reels, all that sort of stuff, half the things that we send across the internet and through social media platforms and our phones and text messages and all that, we send that stuff because it's like, hey, this person knows about this thing, it's really hilarious and I'm going to send it. So they can relate to that. That's, that's just what we do. And Dan, Danny Holloway is actually like, he's, he's, a, he's a constant meme sender. But they are actually funny, I'll give you that, bro. So, so good on you for that one. You can't use a microphone, but you know how to send a meme. Um, but, but all these things, are really, we, we get that because this is our society. This is, this is who we are. We live amongst other people. So we share these experiences and jokes and all that stuff with other people because other people get stuff to do with people, right? Like we, we, we don't send things to a cat because the cat doesn't get it. I mean, they don't have a phone, but they just don't get it. So that makes sense for us to, to operate in that way, but it's an entirely different story when it comes to relating to the one who created everything. Very, very different. Because you and I can tell a joke about something and be like, hey, yeah, we get that because you know, we're a human and we, we get the life and the thing that that joke is about. But we, we wouldn't understand a joke about being outside of time that God could tell, that only God knows about. We wouldn't be able to get that. We, even, even a story, we can't tell a story about how we frame the worlds with our, our words, how we created things just by speaking it into existence. We can't share that story with someone else and be like, yeah, I remember the day I did that. We can't relate to God on those levels. We can't get that. I mean, yeah, we can read scripture and we can read about how he did it, but it's not the same. We, we don't relate to it like we would with someone else who's done the same thing as us. And it doesn't matter if this is your first time in church or if you've been a Christian for 30 years or more. The idea of a being such as God relating to us can sometimes be very difficult to grasp. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as to say impossible, but just very difficult to grasp that God who is outside of our atmosphere, outside of time itself, can relate to me or I can relate to him. Like the idea of that is sometimes very difficult to understand. And even God himself says in Isaiah 55 verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, your thoughts. He even says that himself, that we're on different levels. You're here, I'm here, and it's not in a, in a competition kind of way, just identifying the fact that we are not the same. We are not the same as God. Yet at the same time, we do understand that Jesus, who is God, came down to earth and in more ways than one, showed himself relatable to mankind. And we know about that because it's written in the Bible, right? We've, we've read the stories about how Jesus was born of a virgin and grew up and was just around other regular people and did regular people things. We've read that. We know those stories. We've heard about it. We've just had Easter and, you know, we're going to have Christmas later on and we talk about things about him being a man and, and dying for our sin and, and relating to mankind, but... Sometimes it's just difficult to, to grasp that a God who is out there can 
really, truly, 100% relate to us or that on the other side, we can relate to him. Because just being a human is one thing, but just but knowing that he's God, sometimes that just makes it quite difficult for us. So using scripture this morning, we're going to answer a few questions about this topic of being relatable or, or Christ, rather, being relatable to us. And the first question I want to ask this morning is how? How did Jesus make himself relatable to us? You're in Luke 1 here. And like I said, we, we've, we talk about this at Christmas time. Uh, Luke 1, verse 31 to 33. And this is obviously to Mary. And she's been told that she's going to conceive. So verse 31 of Luke 1, it says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Amen to that. That's amazing. Just to be able to hear that news for the first time and know that it's, it's truth. But think about this, that Jesus made himself relatable to us because he came innocent. He came innocent. He came as a baby. Anyone here afraid of babies? I mean, I know there's people who are afraid, like, oh, how do you hold it? Or, like, I don't know what to do with it. Is it going to throw up on me? Or am I going to drop it? Like, there's that being afraid. But no one's actually fearful of a baby. Well, I don't think anyone's fearful of a baby. Like, babies are kind of like puppies, right? Like, it's like they're just innocent. They're, they're cute, usually. Usually they're cute. <laughs> Our babies were amazing, but usually they're cute. But then there's nothing to fear. They're harmless. And even in the fact that they have their life in the hands of another person. Jesus' life at that point was in the hands of Mary and Joseph and anyone else that they let hold him. He, he put his life in their hands. But the fact that we can relate to him is because he came innocent with nothing to hide. He came innocent as a child that we, we get, we understand. Like, anyone here been a baby before? Stick your hand up if you've been a baby before. See, nobody wants to admit it. But you've been a baby before. Some of us are just big babies now. But have a look at this passage here. This really intrigues me because it actually shows Jesus came as a child. So obviously it says that he'll be conceived in her womb, that he's, he'll be called Jesus. But it also says that he is the son of the highest. And at the end of the verse, with his, with his kingdom there shall be no end, an everlasting kingdom. So it's putting the two things together, like God, who is the son of the highest and has an everlasting kingdom, but at the same time he is conceived in a womb and he's a child, he's a baby, and he's, and he's, got, a, he's got a human name. So automatically his entrance into this world... We can relate to that. We can understand that. We've all been there. We've probably all seen a baby and dealt with a baby and just understand that's just, that's just human life. That's just how we do things, right? Well, there was nothing to fear of him. There was nothing he had to hide and there was nothing that would put us offside. I mean, you've probably heard messages and messages about uh, people coming to Jesus and you know, bringing him the gifts and all that sort of stuff and there was nothing that he had to hide. Like, he was approachable even as a child. And we know that he didn't stop being approachable, but this is just answering the question, how did he make himself relatable to us? 
first one is that he came innocent. He came as a child. Second one is this, that he came in our likeness. He came in our likeness. John 4.24, you don't have to have to turn there, but it tells us that God is a spirit. God's a spirit. He is not a man. He is not a woman. He is not a child. He doesn't have a body like we do. He is a spirit. And we use things called anthropomorphic terms, which is just a big fancy word for human-like terms. So we say, you know, God has eyes that he sees everything. Uh, God can give you things with his hands or God has wings that he covers you with. So we use those terms because our, our brains are like this. Like God said it, didn't he, in Isaiah, that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So our brain can only understand human stuff, really. We can only get it properly in the realm that we live in. So we use stuff like, you know, God sees us, but he doesn't have eyes like we have eyes. He doesn't have body parts like that because he is a spirit. Yet he is still relatable and he's shown himself relatable to us. How did he do that? He came in our likeness. He took on flesh. He took on flesh. He confined himself to a body. John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I love that verse. I love, I love the book of John. I love John chapter 1, but I love that verse. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Literally, God incarnate. God amongst people. That's him being relatable to us, saying, I'm coming in this form because you understand this form. I'm coming in this form because you, you, you actually need it. Humankind need me to be a human. Okay. Uh, Philippians 2, 7, which we already read, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You know, he could have come down to earth in any form that he chose, any form at all. He could have come down as, as a spirit. He could have come down and we wouldn't either see him or we wouldn't even understand it. He could have come down as an ape. He could have come down as an ape because despite what many people say about our similarities with apes, we wouldn't relate to one. <laughs> like we can try and draw similarities between us and apes but we, there's, there's not a lot common that we have with apes and he could have come down as an ape and he didn't he chose to be a man to reach mankind and that's something that we always have to remember that Jesus didn't do things just randomly he didn't do things for no purpose everything he did had a purpose to it and he chose the form of a man because he needed to reach mankind because we needed to be able to relate to this God. This God that loves the world, we need to be able to relate to him. Because we're not going to love him back, we're not going to understand him and his ways and his thinking and all that sort of stuff if it's this idea of a God out there and there's nothing that we can actually relate to. So he purposely chose a body that represented mankind for that very reason. Turn to, turn to Hebrews chapter 5. And we'll have a look at some things here. Hebrews chapter 5. You know, he chose to be a man to reach mankind. He understood the importance of familiarity. Sitting where others sit. Getting on their level. Like we do with kids, you know. Uh, I hope you're not the kind of person when you interact with kids 
that you're like, hi, how are you? Great, what did you do today? And like you're standing up here and you're not getting down on their level like this and being like, hey, how are you today? Changing your voice. Looking them in the eye like this and saying, I am interested in you right now. That's how we do kids. That's how we relate to kids. That's how we teach and train kids. We get down on their level and we don't act like them, but we make ourselves relatable to them. And God was doing this not in a derogatory kind of sense, but in a I want you to be able to relate to me kind of sense. So I'm going to come as a man. And I wonder, I wonder here, you're in Hebrews 5. Have you ever been in a job or a class, maybe in a classroom setting uh, or even just in your family where there's you and your intelligence, which I don't know what that level is, but there's you and your intelligence and then there's someone over here who is just so smart it seems like they can never be taught anything. It seems like they already know all the answers to everything and you can't, you can't stump them with anything, they just know everything. I'm not talking about a know-it-all, but someone who's just super, super smart. So there's a, big, there's a big gap between the two. And sometimes you just feel really, really dumb. And, you know, it's just obvious because you're like down here and they're like up here. I wonder if you've ever felt like that before. Well, it's like there's us, mankind, and then there's the creator of all things, God himself. And sometimes we can feel like that. There's this big gap between us and God, even in the intelligence department. And I wonder if you've thought this, that God, you know, he can't be taught anything. He, he knows everything. He's the one who invented knowledge. He's the one who invented maths, science, and everything that's made up of that. He's the one that gave languages. He's the one that knows the human brain because he created it with his words. Like, how, how, how can we think that God himself would actually ever need to be taught anything or ever could learn anything like that? I wonder if you've ever thought something like that. Well, God never had to learn anything. He wasn't created by another. I had one of our young people say, I, I know that God made everything and no one else made everything, but God, who, who made God? Someone had to have made God, like, because God exists, right? So, like, how... Surely someone made God. I'm like, no, no one made God. No, no other being, no other created thing, no other being created God. He exists without needing the need to be created. And that, again, is like our brain <laughs> and God's realm. Like, we can't get that. We can't understand that properly. But here's the thing. God never needed to learn anything. He wasn't created by anyone else. He's the one that created Yet in his relating to us, he actually came down to earth, out of heaven, and he learned. He learned us. He learned our world. He learned what it means to be a human. And not just that, I want you to have a look here in Hebrews 5. Look down at verse 8. Hebrews 5 verse 8. It says this, Though he were a son, talking of Jesus, yet learned he... What's the next word? obedience by the things which he, what's the next word? Suffered. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. I have a question here and it's more like a paragraph and it may not sound like a question but I wrote this out as I pondered this verse. I know I've seen this verse, I've read this verse but this verse just 
It just nailed me when I was, when I was studying this. Because that's an amazing thing to think God who made everything can learn something. Came down on our level and learned something. And so my question or my statement is this, what God chooses willingly to physically and spiritually sacrifice themselves for a people such as mankind and is so committed to the one and only solution that they place themselves in uncharted territory, finding the seat of learning through suffering, intersected with obedience to the will of the Father, and by doing so enters into the very reality of humanity, enduring to the end, solidifying the fact there is a Saviour that truly knows, cares for, and can relate to the ones he gave himself for. What kind of God does that? I'll tell you what kind of God, the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. He does that. He places himself down on another level that he doesn't really belong in. He belongs in heaven on his throne and he came out of that and he chose to suffer. He, cho- he chose to suffer. He chose to do the will of the Father and he chose to be obedient in it. He was so committed to what we needed as mankind he said, no, you know, he's praying in the garden saying, Lord, take this cup from me. Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will. So he's learnt obedience through everything that's going on in that, everything that he went through and everything he went through after that fact. And so he actually learnt what it means to be obedient to something or to someone. That's incredible. That just blows my mind. But that's his way of relating to us, that he put himself in such a position. And I'm not saying he came down for that sole purpose of learning obedience. He came down the sole purpose of being the redeemer that would help us to have a relationship with him. But through that, he learned something. Through that, he entered into that level of humanity. And to think that God can do that, that's just incredible, that he would... He would go through all that to just to relate to us. He came and entered into our position of guilt and our position of separation from the Father. You know, I know most of us here would understand that our sin, our breaking of God's law is actually what causes the great divide between us and God. It's the guilt of that breaking his law that really separates us between him and us. But Jesus' suffering that Hebrews here talks about removed that for those who chose him or those who choose him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you may know this verse, says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. Jesus didn't know any sin. Jesus was sinless. Jesus was born of a virgin so that he was sinless. I mean, he was sinless anyway because he's God, right? But it's just everything adds up. Everything just lines up. He was born of a virgin. He didn't get the blood from a, 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 an earthly father that carried that sin stain. So he didn't even know any sin, but he was made sin for us. He put that all on himself or allowed the father to put that all on him. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Incredible. That's God relating to mankind. And in doing so, we then have another thing that we can say, oh, I can relate to him. He's entered into my humanity. He's entered into this realm. He's entered into that body that is like my body. He's placed himself under 
All these things add up to him relating to us. So that covers how. That's the how. So we asked, how did Jesus make himself relatable? Another question we should ask of the scriptures is, who? Who did Jesus make himself relatable to? And before you say, oh, well, the answer is everyone. Well, the answer is everyone. But let's actually look at the, the, the definitive thing of who these people are. And we're not going to dwell long here. I'm just going to list these off. But if you're familiar with any of Jesus' earthly ministry, then you'd have to agree that he made the effort to reach all kinds of people. All kinds of people. He didn't just, he didn't just like specify one type of person to reach. You know, the down and outer. He didn't just reach the down and outer. He reached everyone. He tried to reach everyone. His message was for everyone. Which is good news because sitting in this room today and everyone online and everyone in the world, we are all kinds of people, right? That's everyone. That's everyone you know that's not saved. Jesus came to relate to them because he wants to reach all kinds of people. So, who did he make himself relatable to? I'm going to list these out. The first one is this, those who would choose to reject or ignore him. He came to relate to those people. John 1.11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. So even if you choose to reject him, it doesn't matter. He actually came to relate to you. If someone you're trying to witness to doesn't take it, it, it doesn't matter. It's not on you, but Jesus came to relate to them as well. Second one is this, those who had nothing to offer him. That's you and me. That's everyone. We don't have anything to offer him. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we, mankind, are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And, all we, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We have zero to offer Christ, really. Anything good we have is because he gave it to us first. Even the love that we understand and can express, that came from him first. We loved him because he first loved us. So everything we have, we got it, it all came from him in the first place. So, you know, our account was zero. It was actually, it was a negative. So anything we can give is because he's given it to us and then we can choose to give it back to him. So he came to relate to those who had nothing to offer him. Third one is this, those who were very different from him. And this is what I was saying at the start. Like, he's God. He's a spirit. He's outside of time. He, he's everything we're not, really. But he came to relate to the people that were very different from him. John 8, 23. And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. He made that pretty clear that we are different, but I'm actually coming to reach you because you need it. I'm coming to reach you because I care about you, because I love you. This is the whole point. He's relating to everyone, and everyone is different from him. Everyone. He came to relate to those who needed what he could give them. I wonder if you've considered that this morning, that we are all in need of Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross. Every single person, we're in need of that. Sometimes when I pray, I just come and I just say, Lord, first, I just want to acknowledge that I'm in need of you. And I have to make myself say that because sometimes I just think, no, I've got it, it's all good, or things are going all right, or whatever, whatever. 
but we have to remind ourselves that no we actually need jesus christ and he actually cares enough about us to come and relate to us mankind because he knows that we need what he can give us luke 5 verse 31 and 32 this is what jesus said they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick i came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance he knew exactly what mankind needed he wasn't he wasn't he didn't come down to earth and go okay i'm going to spend a few years down here and just work out what do these guys need what what are they lacking what what's what's the need here you know it's going to get a feel for it and you know i'm just going to um, do a few things while i'm down here but really my point is i just want to find out what they need he, he wasn't doing that he already knew that like i said he's outside of time he's omniscient he knows everything he already knew that our, our problem was the sin that has separated us between us and him. So he came and he sacrificed himself because that's what we needed. He related to those across all ages. All ages, not just the ones we read about in here. But what we do read in here in Hebrews 13, 8, is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. To me, that covers all of mankind doesn't matter whether it was adam at the start or the last person that's going to be born on this earth that covers everyone in between so he came to relate to all ages all people it's safe to say that we can find ourselves in most if not all of that list there we can say yep that's me that's me that's me so there's just one more question that i want us to answer from scripture this morning about Jesus relating and this is the question the big one that kids ask all the time it's really 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 annoying why 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 did Jesus make himself relatable to us why did he do that well I'm going to ask you to turn to Hebrews 4 with me please because it's great to know that he did make himself relatable to us it's great to know that okay there's a God that is is understanding us as human as a god who knows our need and as a god who can give us what we need and as a god who's relating to all people great excellent but why why would he do that why did he do that well i'm going to give you a few statements here before we look at a verse in hebrews 4 this is why he did this is not why he did this is not why he came and, and was relatable to us. He didn't choose to progressively relate to us over time. And what I mean by that is he didn't say, okay, uh, I'm going to little bit by little bit over thousands of years relate to mankind. You know, the Bible says that he was slain from the foundation of the worlds. So that means before the world even existed which means before you and i existed in case you didn't know that he already had decided to come and to be slain and to be the sacrifice for mankind who wasn't even created yet so he didn't progressively relate himself choose to relate to us he said no even just from from the beginning from before the worlds were formed i am going to i'm going to relate to mankind because i already know outside of time that they have a need for me they will have a need for me so he chose to do that before you and i even existed that's amazing 
He didn't discover something in us as humankind that piqued his interest and went, oh, now I'm going to get a little bit closer and I'm going to, I'm going to like relate to them now because there's something there that I'm like really interested in. No. He knows exactly what humankind's like. He already knew that we were going to fail. He knows our good and our bad, our ups and our downs. So it wasn't like what we would do, like, oh, there's, some, there's like a commonality I have with that person. I'm going to get to know them because then maybe we can talk about this or maybe we can partake in these activities together and that's piquing our interest so then we get a little bit closer and a little bit closer to that person. He didn't do that. He already knew from the foundations of the world that we needed him, so he already chose he's going to relate to us. He didn't do it for his own profit, his own self-gain, his own status. Obviously, these are things that we do sometimes. He didn't dwell among us just because he was curious about life as a human. He wasn't bored and needed a challenge. That's hard to understand. God outside of time, how long is that? Is there time? Is, does that even make sense? Like, was God just sit? How long was God there before he created anything? Is there time before he created anything because he's outside of time? Like, see how you can just like ask all these questions and then just go, <laughs> but. He wasn't sitting there bored and needed something to do. And I know these are obvious, but I want to say them anyway. He wasn't doing it just to fit in with humanity. That's what we do. We relate to people so we fit in with them, a group, a crowd, a person, a status, whatever. He wasn't even just relating to us to show us how to be a better person. We can learn how to be a better person from Jesus becoming a man and relating to us, but that was not his sole purpose. That was not his goal in it all. Hebrews 4, let's have a look. Verse 15. It says this, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's saying we do have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who does understand our infirmities. We do have a high priest who gets us he gets our problems gets the things that things of humanity but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin so we have someone who is a high priest that is jesus christ who understands us understands our infirmities understands what makes us tick and what makes us separate from god and he was tempted like we are so he entered into that humanity 100 percent yet he didn't, he didn't sin. A clear verse on the fact that he was committed to relating to us so much that he endured all points of temptation. But that doesn't answer the question why. Verse 16 answers the question why. Verse 16 says, Let us, that's mankind, therefore, because of verse 15, let us therefore come, what's the next word? Boldly unto the throne of grace. That's his throne. That's God's throne. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He came to us in a relatable way so we can boldly go to him with what we need. To find grace, to find mercy, to find help in time of need. He chose to relate to mankind because he wants us to come unto him, to relate to him, to have a, what's the word? Relationship, relate. That's what he wants. 
He wants you and me and every person in this whole world to have a relationship with him. A close relationship. Not a, oh yeah, I know of them relationship, but an intimate relationship, a saving relationship. A relationship that takes you from death to life. That's what Hebrews says right here. That he did this so we can go to him. And maybe you don't know your need of him. Hopefully some of these things we've looked at already show you that you need him. Whether it's you need him for being saved or you just need him every day. We need him. The motivation has always been that the very God of heaven desires us to have a relationship with him. He's done all this in a purpose way, knowing what we're like and what we will relate to. He created this world and us for the sole purpose of a relationship. And you and I have never been his afterthought. We are the object of his love. He created us because he is love and he wants that relationship back. He wants this two-way relationship with him. Not just that he's the God and then he's hands off. He actually wants that one-on-one relationship with us. He was born an innocent baby of a virgin so his sinless humanity could redeem us from sin. He took on the flesh of mankind so he could be the solution for mankind's sin. He suffered and learned obedience so we knew he was acquainted with humanity. He came to save all types of people so nobody is left wanting. He continues to invite us to come to him so we can receive what we need through him. You know, our prayer as a church is that if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour today, and I know there's many here that do, that these things we've looked at this morning, that they would encourage you to keep a close relationship with him, to remember what he has done as the God, the creator of this universe, to relate to you, to bring salvation to your life, to change your life for eternity that this would encourage you just to dwell on these things, think on these things, and maybe even share this with someone who doesn't know him as their saviour. But our prayer as a church is also for those who don't know the Lord Jesus as saviour. That the scriptures today have shown that he is a God that knows you and understands you intimately. The divide between you and him, which is the same divide between heaven and hell, can be bridged by entering into a real relationship with him. Now, if you know that's something you need to take care of, then we ask you to do one of two things. Either come and talk to someone that you've seen up here or seen serving today. Come and talk to someone and say, I don't know Jesus as my saviour. I know there's a big gap between me and him and I want to know about how to close that gap. I want to have a relationship with him. Just come and say that to someone. Come and ask that of someone. Or, like you heard in the video earlier, you can take that bulletin and you can scan that little code on the back and you can connect with us and you can say, I want to know about becoming Christian. There's a little checkbox on that form where you can tick that. Maybe you brought someone with you today and you know that they are not a Christian. I'd encourage you to ask them after the service. So that is our prayer at Good Shepherd Baptist Church, that we would have a relationship with the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I do thank you once again for allowing us to open your word this morning. 
And we do ask and pray, Lord, that you would continue to minister to each heart here today. I thank you, Father, for the truths found. I thank you, Lord God, that you chose to relate to us and that, Father, you have a solution for the problem that we face. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to take these things and to be encouraged by them, to share them with others and to deepen our relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you've done. And we do ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.